What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Whiskey Sessions podcast. This is episode 156. B Pimp, what's up with you? I'm doing great. I am sad because I feel like this is the end of my gimmick with the um, NBA numbers because the only person I could find that was even worth mentioning at 56 was Francisco Elson, who was a backup center Ooh. for a couple of years on the Nuggets. Yeah, that's, then, uh, that's a deep cut. And then 57 was nothing. So I think this is it. I think I've retired it. So I, have a new, I need a new gimmick at the top of the show. Well, you know, the NBA season is winding down as well. We might as well yeah. figure out well, what can we shift to baseball? I could, sw- to heat up. I could switch to, I mean, with where I left off, I could just switch to football and go 56 to 99 in football. But Yeah, that would be not that hard. Yeah. Is that compelling for our listeners? I'm not like, I don't no. know my football player super well. My my gut feeling was this is a nat- Once I saw Francisco Elson's name, I was like, Francisco, you just gave me a sign. This is it. It's had a good run. We ended on uh, 55. Perfect. You know, I wonder if people run into Francisco on the street and just be like, this is it. <laughs> he just has that effect on people. I would feel terrible if that was the case. <laughs> or if they go, hey, man, you killed the whiskey session gimmick of maybe. A- <laughs> yeah, the age really. that's always known. That's how wide uh, it reaches of our listeners. Poor guy. Uh, OK, for this episode, we are talking basketball, not professional basketball, though. Uh, we're talking March Madness. It is the thick of the maddest part of March Madness. And uh, we're going to break down our top five Cinderella teams of all time. Oh, yeah. It's a great time of year, even though we are alum alumnus of a college that doesn't factor in this time of year too often. They did win one Big East tournament game, though. That credit to them. I feel, feel like they gave Xavier a run for its money, too, at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were still, by and large, shitty again. Yeah. I think they had 10 wins this year. So it wasn't one of those like three win seasons, but it wasn't good. And it doesn't exactly look like they're selling out their new ish arena. No. In McCormick center. I don't know what they need to do. Do you? They need to, uh, hire some, hire some people who have less morals and try to skirt the rules. Basically. I think that's DePaul's only path forward. If they want to be competitive. It just feels like it wouldn't take that much. You just have to get the Chicago talent. Yeah, but I mean, what what's the incentive for... I mean, I guess you do get to play in the city, so they should be able to market that, but I just... I don't know. It doesn't see... It seems like there's so many other options just within 90 minutes yeah. in multiple directions that people could say... They could argue like Marquette is a more attractive place to go, honestly. You know? I mean... I would say. Truthfully, I like... Marquette this year. I mean, if we're going to pick, mm-hmm. we're talking about good teams going into the tournament. And uh, apologize if you're listening and like one of the teams that we're talking about like just got upset or something like that. That always happens. Yeah. But I I really like uh, Marquette. I think they have a reasonable shot. I like UCLA and Arizona, but I'm always going to like kind of uh, lean towards Pac-12 teams. And. Uh, after that, I'm not really sure. Those those are my top three. And I guess I'll throw Gonzaga in there, too. I think Purdue is going to be tough because their center, who's the Big Ten player of the year, he's like seven foot four, and he's very agile and, and does a lot of stuff. Um, I think he's going to be hard to hard to contend with, but yeah. they don't have a lot of depth. Um, I, 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 like, I always like Arizona, especially with this new coach. 
they, they seem to have pretty competitive teams. That's a good selection, I think, too. Do you have any, since we're talking Cinderella stories, do you have any dark horse candidates, Cinderella teams that you're thinking about? Yeah, I'm thinking, um, who was I watching recently that I liked? I don't think St. Peter's is in again. That was my favorite from a couple of years ago. And I don't want to pick like an obvious one. I think maybe uh, Radford. Mm. I think they just won their conference tournament. I'm probably wrong, but that, they looked good. I like, they won't be a Cinderella and maybe they'll even be ranked in the, like get a top eight seed. I'm not really sure. But for some reason, I'm sniffing like a Northwestern run. Oh, okay. That's a good idea. Yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll see. Uh, but I'm excited as always. I, I got to get a pool started. Yeah. Like as we get into it, once the, once it gets started that first like Thursday, Mm -hmm. um, and actually funny enough, Pollyanna's having a, they're opening at noon. They usually don't open to like five on Thursday and having, uh, the optimist club that we're in, they're letting us go there to watch the games at Ooh. noon. So I might play, Lisa and I might play hooky and go stop by there and watch some tournament games. Oh, I mean, it's the, the two days, the Thursday and Friday, like you absolutely jam packed days at work. Yeah. Yeah. They're just jam packed with games. It's so great. Yeah. Uh, all right. Before we jump into our top five Cinderella teams, we, of course, got to talk about whiskey. So I, I mentioned before we started recording that I was honestly, we've done this is the 156th episode. I was unsure if we had done this whiskey before because I know we had done Fur Cullen. I think we've done Glenn Fittich or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I saw this one and it was the only one at our liquor store where I was like, I don't think I've had that one. It is Glenn Cullen. So a combination of ones we have done before. This is a Speyside single malt Scotch whiskey aged 10 years, uh, distilled, matured, and bottled in Scotland. Let's see if there's anything else fancy I want to say about this. It's imported by County Line Distillers in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, I'm trying to look at its alcohol content. Uh, I confirmed that we have not had that. All right. Searching our, our archives. It's uh, 80 proof, so pretty light. Uh, okay. And inexplicably, now the liquor store I go to near my house is a, is a real dump, but this was put like at the very top shelf where the guy behind the counter actually had to get on a little stepladder to get it, which to me would mean, how much do you think a whiskey that is that high that requires a stepladder to get to? How much do you think that should cost? We'll just say oh. for like a 750 milliliter bottle. A hundred dollars. What if I told you 22? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> How much is the shit they're just putting in the aisles? Uh, I mean, they don't have, they have more expensive options than that. But like you go in there, you see your ancient age, you see your Canadian club. Okay. Their wine selection is like cooking wine and maybe a yellowtail if you're lucky. All right. Is there uh, boxed wine? I think there probably is. Okay. So this is a, this is a place to be. This it certainly is. So $22 makes me a little bit nervous, but I'm not going to judge it before I try it. Maybe he had it up so high because even though it's $22, it's so good. It's like the bargain of the century. That could definitely be the case. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to pour it into my glass with one giant rock. 
I'm interested. Anytime a scotch pops up, I'm always curious to see how the. Yeah, I'm not generally like a big scotch drinker, but, you know, I don't want to neglect. No, you're more. Yeah, you're open to it more than I am. I'm kind of a scotch skeptic. Yeah. Speaking of scotch skeptics, though, uh, we did watch a Sean Connery James Bond movie last night. (laughs) (laughs) Great transition. Uh, We watched uh, Diamonds Are Forever. That, I remember that movie being goofy. Oh, yeah. It's also just, like, bad and boring. Yeah. That like, was one of us. No. It's, like, there's some funny moments in it. Like, I love the, the, the henchmen in it. And there's a couple other funny parts. But, like, generally, it is just bad and boring. There's action scenes with almost, like, no background noise that are just slow and awful. Sean Connery is, like, old and clearly doesn't give a shit. Yeah, I I think that one should be regarded as one of the worst. Like you always talk about Die Another Day and Moonraker as being like the nadir of James Bond movies. Diamonds Are Forever should be in that category. Yeah, I would agree with that. All right. I'm going to do a definitive list at some point. I've seen them all. Yeah, rank all of them. I think, I think I've struggled because I actually genuinely am not sure what the number one is. Yeah, my, it, I've had many that would probably occupy that slot. I think I think my number one would be um, never say never again. <laughs> yeah, the, the only unofficial one. Yeah, uh, no, I think my number one would be actually it would probably would be on Her Majesty's Secret Service if the James Bond in it, who's George Lazenby, was better. Mm. He is like the weak point. Otherwise, that movie from a story perspective is like one of the best. Sorry, Australia. We didn't mean to take you down. You're Australian bond. Okay. This whiskey, uh, and I sidetracked us a bunch of times, but just to bring our listener back, I am drinking a whiskey, the Glen Cullen. I'm smelling it, and it smells like I will not like it. It's a bottle of scotch. Yeah. It has got like a real, and what is that? It, It like a top shelf smell. (laughs) <laughs> a very top shelf of a terrible liquor store smell. Yeah, I uh, can't explain it. It feels like a, a mix of a, a normal good scotch and me accidentally spilling gasoline on my hand while I'm taking it out of the car pump. Oh boy! I noticed you weren't you weren't rushing to sip this. So I thought maybe there was something. No, <laughs> I was like, "Ooh, boy!" Now, now I'm prepping myself for the taste of it. Uh, and I'm ready realizing that, like, I, I probably should have poured a slightly smaller sip, but we'll give it a shot. I'm Let's not gonna, do... <laughs> not gonna give it away without sipping it. We can do a, a detour and just painfully rank every Bond movie right now so you don't have to drink that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. The taste is pretty, it's not as offensive as the smell was. Mm. I'll give it that. Uh, it has a little bit of a punch to it and in line with it being $22, it has like nothing behind it, like zero body. I still have this like kind of ring of punch in my throat, but there is not a lot of warmth. I'm not really like getting any hints of anything. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not good. It, It could be worse. It's not giving me a bad aftertaste. 
Okay. So, I mean, at least in the first zip, I could say, like, I could probably mix this with something and it would be totally innocuous. It also very much tastes like it's only 40 or it's only uh, 80 proof or less. Uh, yeah, that's good. It, uh, give it another sip. That helps if it's, if it's going to be non, if it's not an overwhelmingly good product, at least it's not insanely boozy where you're just like, this sucks and I'm hammered already. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny, like it's it's predominant thing that it's doing is like flaring my nostrils. And I think it is because of the smell, but like from a taste perspective, there's not that much going on. I can't complain. I mean, it's getting the boot because it's definitely not worthy of being on the smooth train. <laughs> but it's also it it also could have been a lot worse. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah, I don't need the third step to give it the boot. So I, I won't recommend Glen Cullen. However, if, if you're going to mix it and you don't have a particularly refined palate, and I don't mean that in like a, maybe just like a, you don't care that much kind of way. Yeah. You're not you could, picky. You could do a lot worse. I think at its price point, you could do a lot worse. Yeah, that's fair. It's not so, paint thinner, which right. you thought it might be. Exactly. It, so. It's a light boot, but but we have our standards. It's a boot nonetheless. Sorry, Glenn Cullen. Sorry, Glenn Cullen. All right. Are you ready to talk NCAA men's unpaid basketball? Oh, yeah. Gotta it's, love it. My top five Cinderella stories, I, always, I did them all in my lifetime, like ones I remembered. Did you have any anything that you tried to stick to as you were putting together your list? Ooh, I actually have one that I, that is not in my lifetime, which I didn't think I did, but, um, no, I just wanted to, I looked up a list to see them. And then I was, I was trying to do the ones that I had the most personal, uh, memories from at least for the majority of it just were like, Oh yeah, something came to mind immediately, either a shot or a player's performance in that run or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. that's kind of what I stuck with. Uh, all right. Well, let's get into it then. These are our top five Cinderella stories of all time. More than four, less than six. It's the top five. All right, B-Pimp, what's your number five? My number five is a team that had a player that's probably close to your heart. Um, the 2008 Davidson Wildcats of Steph Curry. Ooh, great pick. I'll, I hate to say this already, but if I had gone first at number five and then you went five and I went four, we would have had a double dip. Damn. Yeah. Narrow miss on the double dip, but great, great pick. Yeah, I'm trying to see how seed. far they made it. Oh, yeah, they were a 10 seed and they went all the way to the Elite Eight and finally lost to Kansas by two points only. Steph Curry was something. I mean, he was great in that run. And uh, I feel like it took a couple of years, in part, in part because of his injuries, but to understand, like, that's what he needed to unleash again in the NBA. He had a run. He they In their first run game, they beat Gonzaga, and he had 40 in that game. Mm -hmm. And then he, had, he put up 30 against Georgetown, 33 against Wisconsin, and even 25 in the loss when they finally lost to Kansas. So he was... Yeah. He was carrying them. Oh, yeah. He was a one-man, three-point wrecking crew. Yeah. Uh, all right. My number five 
is the 2006 George Mason team. They were an 11 seed that made the final four. Super fun team. Also, uh, classic green and gold colors. And this was right around the time that the Sonics were in the process of being purchased. It's still a couple of years before they moved to Oklahoma City, but special place in my heart for the George Mason team. That is actually my only honorable mention. Oh, I don't have any honorable mentions, but good pick. Yeah. Um, so then my number four is the 1998 Valparaiso team with Bryce Drew. Ooh, good pick. They only made it to like the third round, I think, but he had stuck. That was like that amazing shot in the opening round when they were the 13 seed and beat the four seed. He made a crazy three pointer at the buzzer. That's still probably shown in highlight packages for the NCAA. Mm -hmm. Um, Like one of the most iconic game ending shots, I think in college basketball history. Um, But yeah, that, that team, like I said, third round, but as a 13 seed, especially back then, it wasn't common that that would happen. No, no, it definitely wasn't. What do you think, like, speaking of iconic, what do you think the most iconic shot in college sports is? I lean toward the Leitner shot, but... That's it. I think that's it. Honestly. Or, well, there's another one that I have on my list later, I think, that might be a contender, but that's that Leitner shot. Yeah. Beauty. I can't believe that pass could even be made. Right. Yeah. I think, isn't there controversy? Because whoever, who was that against... I'm trying to think, but whoever the opposing team was, I feel like the coach said he would have done something differently, like guard the inbounder. I think they he left. Have. I think they left Grant Hill alone to throw they that pass. Yeah, yeah. If you have somebody in his face, how hard would it have been to make a 70 foot pass like that? Yeah, that's a crazy one. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I I kind of gave it away already, but my number four was that 2008 Davidson team. I don't have a whole lot to add, but it is, I think what's really exciting about it and exciting about March Madness in general is like, this is where you can have certain stars be born. Like, yeah. especially <clears throat> Steph Curry, of course, but like there, uh, like my next pick is less of a star, but still like a, a person who came into prominence specifically during March Madness. And that only happens with these, uh, smaller colleges where you don't see anything about them all season long. And then all of a sudden they're in the tournament, Cinderella team tearing it up. And it's just exciting. It's fun to watch. I have a theory about that too. I think it's because because of how many teams there are and because some of these smaller schools, the way that they have to play in order to compete once they get into the tournament is like ride their starters hard. So if you've got somebody really good, they're going to get every opportunity to play. Like they're just going to play all game. So I feel like that helps because then they get hot. And it's like, it's hard to probably play that much that quickly, but I think that helps with those star performances that we remember over the years. Without a doubt. Who's your number three? My number three is the Loyola Ramblers from 2018. Ooh, number three. Mm-hmm. I like, this was, like for me, they were such an exciting team because this was the first year we lived in San Francisco and we were driving from Seattle down to the Bay Area, and we actually stopped in Portland to watch one of the games at a Loyola bar in Portland, which... Wow, like, how did you find that? <laughs> I mean, it's not really a Loyola. It was just, there were eight people there. All right. 
uh, but still, it was awesome. And Maggie, my wife, who went to Loyola, mm-hmm. was just so excited. And it was hard not to be. I mean, I was definitely excited for her and excited generally, but also like I, I went to what should be the basketball school. Yeah, that's why I think why I have it number three. Stop yeah. grapes on my part. Did you have a favorite moment from that run? Um, I just like their coach who left to coach Oklahoma, but he had a very like square face. So I was always like, this guy looks like a, this guy looks like a basketball coach. He really does. An eccentric style too. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. He was, uh, no, I liked him a lot. Of course, sister Jean was like the big story. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that, that was funny about that team is they kept referring to Loyola as this like tiny school. I'm like, it's not actually that small. No, it's not. It's like one of the bigger Jesuit schools and Jesuit schools are in the tournament like all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't call them tiny. No, it was yeah. Loyola, Loyola biased, anti-Loyola bias. Or like, I'm pretty sure Loyola is bigger than Xavier and Xavier is always in it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, okay. My number three is the 2011 Butler team. That was an eight seed. Uh, with Gordon Hayward. And uh, that was like another one of those cases, not quite like Steph Curry, but you were like, whoa, this guy's good. Uh, oh, yeah. Plus, plus like the rising star coach as well. Yeah, that's true. They had both of that going that year. I'm trying to think like Brad Stevens, did he leave after that year or did he coach a couple more years? I think he coached a couple more years because he hasn't, he wasn't the head coach of the Celtics for that long before he went up. Yeah, into the, you're right into the front office. But those like that kind of run propelled him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just continually having Butler compete because you saw after he left they haven't been the same. Nope. Uh, okay. What is your? I'm looking at my top two, and now I'm like genuinely curious as to who your top two are. I don't think I know. Uh, okay. Who's your number two? My number two is St. Peter's from 2022. Ooh, that was an exciting team. That was a great team. I loved the, I loved the fact specifically about that team that they had the, the people that were making the plays for them were like three, six, one, six, two guards that were like varying levels of athletic, but they were all just knocking down clutch shots constantly. And it was just that for some reason, that's like a, it wasn't like they just had a big center that was dominated or something. It was like perimeter players making tough shots. And it was very satisfying to watch that run that they had. Yeah. I think what's fun is it's like some teams like St. Peter's and maybe like a little bit like Loyola too. You like look at them and they seem like they should just be inferior to the other team, but, but they have like some skill. Yes. That is exceptional. And as as long as they can lean into that, then they can have success. And that's like I, I think what makes the tournament so fun in the first place. Yeah, and I think they had not only they had like those three guards and then the other two starters they used were like twins, I think, that were like six foot seven Nigerian guys with really long arms that were excellent defenders. So I think they were able to defend up. You know, and like prevent the post from just getting overrun. So I think that's what that's like the recipe for a, a Cinderella run. You need to have some somebody that can stop the inside game, and then somebody that can make shots like that. And they just had like the perfect mix, basically. Yeah. Uh, no, great pick for your number two. 
My number two is going back. I would say this is going back about as far as I didn't always follow March Madness that close until probably about high school. And this team was, it was, I think I was in eighth grade uh, at the time, but was especially exciting from a Seattle point of view, even though they're not a Seattle team, they're just Washington state and Eastern Washington. Uh, this is back in the day when Gonzaga was like that upset kind of team. Like now they're almost a powerhouse or they, I mean, they are a powerhouse for college. Mm-hmm. Basketball at least. Yeah. Uh, but the 1999 Gonzaga bulldog team uh, was a 10 seed. And that's, that's growing up. How I remember them. It's just like, you pity the team the even the higher seed that had to play Gonzaga in the first round. I think, was that a Dan Dickow team? That is a great question. I was looking up a few different Gonzaga teams. Let me double check the year after he played at Gonzaga from 2000 to 2002. Oh, okay. Uh, and he was actually with the Huskies from 97 to 99. I don't think I realized that. I didn't know that either. He was a transfer, huh? Interesting. Interesting. Jinx. Uh, all right. Your number one. My number one is the only one not in my lifetime. It was the uh, 1983 NC State Jim Valvano team that won the tournament. They What seed were they? Yeah, they were a six seed, and they beat number one Houston, the five slam Jamma Houston team. Oh, and that was a that was a uh, buzzer beater. That was the one I was thinking of that I mentioned that competes with Bryce Drew. I think it was like a tip in at the buzzer. Like one of their big forwards, he they threw a pass up to him at the rim and he like tipped it in at the buzzer. I think it's how they won. So that was like a crazy ending too. And that's when Jim Valvano was like running all over the court. That Oh, that that's like a just like an iconic moment in college sports. Yeah. That's why I put it number one, honestly it was more of a nostalgia thing because he became such an iconic person in like if you watch ESPN college basketball growing up, you heard Jim Valvano constantly because of the foundation he started. Um, then having died early from can I think it was cancer or something, um, some type of cancer that he died from, but it was sad, but I mean, they always would show like the highlights of that team. I remember they always have like the Jimmy V week now at ESPN. Yeah. Oh, that's a, a great number one. It makes me kind of want to go back and revisit that. By the way, Fi Slam Jamma is just like such a great nickname for a team. Oh yeah. The best. I'm, I'm not even sure there's anything that beats it. No, that's pretty amazing. Five slamma jamma. What a loaded team. Ejuan, Clyde Drexler, and uh somebody else. Yeah, that 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 is incredible. Uh my number one is the 2018 Loyola team, just because I mean, mostly because Maggie went there. Like it's a Chicago school. It was cool yeah. to see them in the limelight. It was hard to believe they just kept winning these games. And honestly, even in the final four, they gave Michigan a run for its money. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't have like one of those letdown games where they just got blown out. It was they were still competitive. No, and it just it was great. It was great to watch. I like again. I feel like all the national coverage was on Sister Jean, and that sort of got tired after a while. Yeah, especially because. Uh. I think the impression people would get from seeing Loyola on a national stage was like, Oh, everybody knows who sister Jean is, but Maggie went there for five years. She had no idea who sister Jean was. Yeah. 
Exactly. She became like their mascot of sorts. Right. uh, Because nobody knows what a Rambler is. That's why. (laughs) Yeah. But that team was like really, really exciting. Uh, They had some talented players, but they also had players that like looked like they should be overmatched. I I really like their center who is just kind of, I don't want to say oafish sounds like a little bit mean, but like was also, you know, six, eight, six, nine, not in like what you would say is like basketball shape clearly, right? but he like was savvy and was just like enough. And he was a freshman on that team. Yeah. He had a couple of good years with them after that too. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's gotta be my number one. Maybe it's partially like recency bias, but it was really fun to see that run. No, I think that's, that is a legit choice. I think I'm, if I wasn't being a salty DePaul alum, I might've had it higher. Yeah. I just can't get over the fact that since I went, started going to DePaul, since we both started going to DePaul in 2004, they haven't been to the tournament. They were there the year before and had a decent team. It's been 20 years guys yeah rod strickland is not happy with us no do you think they should give give uh dave leto a third chance yes <laughs> they should have they should just keep hiring dave Le- they should hire dave leto again and then give him five more years and then if that doesn't work hire somebody else then hire him just keep hiring him until it works out i think at some point he'll be a good coach right exactly yeah uh all right uh, you said your only honorable mention was that George Mason team. Yep. George Mason from Jim Laranega, head coach. Well, I got to say, I'm excited to see who the Cinderella stories are going to be this year. I love it. I hope there's like five. I can, can never get enough. I just want it, them all. to. It does seem like it happens more often, maybe in part because they're with players often leaving after one year. There's more parody in college basketball now than I think there's ever been. Yeah, I think so, too. So it definitely happens. Uh, All right, folks at home, if you think we forgot about your favorite Cinderella story of the NCAA tournament, go ahead and hit us up. Our email is whiskeysessionsmusic at gmail.com. If you send us an email there, we'll read it on a future episode. But we got to get to your emails for this episode. So let's get to them. These are your emails. You said to read emails and now we'll read them all right i've got an email that says hey guys very excited for march madness do you think the nba could should adopt something similar and this is from dean in detroit michigan yes i it would be fun like they've talked about like a mid-season tournament before that's what i want yeah, I give them a longer break and then have a midseason tournament right in the middle of it. I wonder if they should do something like knock 10, 15 games off the schedule, do this midseason tournament. And you know what they got to do to make it really work is it's got to be 32 teams because it's got to be even, which means you, you have to bring the Sonics back and you got to bring another team, Las Vegas, Kansas City, who cares? Vancouver Grizzlies. I would love to see the Vancouver Grizzlies back, frankly. Yep. Still call them the Grizzlies. Yeah. Have two we teams call the Grizzlies. Why not? Gri- grizzly on Grizzly violence. Yeah. Um, but that's going to happen. And it'll be fun to see that tournament. It, maybe it could happen where your all-star break is like three weeks long. Mm-hmm. You do this like tournament leading up to all-star game and, and see what happens. I think that would be fun. It, it'd be nice if it like 
determined something. I don't know what that should be though. Yeah, I, I well, when I first heard rumors of it, it was just going to be like money was the incentive. It was like a lot of money if you win, which I think helps because that's a good motivator. But um, I don't know. I don't know what else they could do. I don't like how baseball had the all-star game determine home field advantage in the World Series. I don't like that. Yeah. But something, there could, there could be other things maybe that they could come up with. Maybe the tournament is actually net neutral for money and the winning team does get some money. But if you lose in the first round, you actually just get money taken away. Yes. That would be motivating. Yes, it would. New season competition. Would not fly with the players union. I'm pretty sure, but it would be interesting. Unless the money went to charity, even then they probably wouldn't want to. Yeah. Uh, All right. Uh, What else we got in the old email inbox? Dear Whiskey Sessions, with St. Patrick's Day relentlessly upon us, why don't you do more Irish whiskey reviews? I thought the early 20th century anti-Irish sentiment had faded in America. Sincerely, Irish eyes of Bridgeport. Wow. I'm a quarter Irish, so I'm, I don't know that I have any anti-Irish sentiment that I'm aware of, but I guess... No. I don't know how Irish I am. I'm up to an eighth, I think. But I refuse to find out because I don't want to associate with something like that. So maybe I do have a bias. I don't know. Does that sound like a bias to you? <laughs> you know, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm gonna think about it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. Well, I am gonna go to Ireland for the first time. Oh, nice. Yeah. So would somebody bias against Ireland dare to set foot in that dump of a country? Hey, Irish. Why don't you send us Venmo Andy a hundred dollars and he will buy a nice bottle of Irish whiskey while he's there and bring it back and review it. I will definitely do that. I know I am really excited to go there and uh, I've heard the country is beautiful. I haven't been there either and I need to go. It's one of my homelands. Yeah. You got to do an Ireland, Italy trip. Yeah. Not like they're next to each other, but everything in Europe is pretty close. I got to go to Ireland. Italy, Scotland, and Canada. And then I've got my, my mixed bag of whiteness covered. <laughs> Have you been to Canada before? Yeah, I, w- I was in Toronto. Okay, okay. I was like 16. I didn't know anything yet, so I kind of don't count it. Yeah, I get that feeling. I went to Italy when I was like 15. I don't remember hardly even where we were. Yeah. Or like my, that my brain was nowhere close to being formed yet. I don't know no. what was going on. That was that trip was wasted on me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, again, if you want to email us, we'll read it on a future episode. The email address is whiskey sessions music at gmail.com. But that does it for the March Madness special. Be pimp. Are you ready to watch some games? I can't wait. It's going to yeah. be even better because we're going to have mugs of beer while we watch them. Oh, yeah. Uh, do you have any words of wisdom to leave our wonderful listeners with? Um, don't be afraid to give up on your tra- traditions like the um, NBA uniform gimmick I had. It's fine. Yeah. Oh, you know what? It is a tradition that they should give up on. That one shining moment. That's so stupid of a song. Oh, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, let's get rid of that. Yeah, that let's start that a can campaign. Go. That could yeah. go. No one wants that anymore. We don't need it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Until next time, this is AMS saying peace out. And BPIM saying happy March. 